0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum as always giving you the film breakdowns, roster analysis, all of the wonderful stuff past the hard news. We are here to break it down all for you. And as you might expect with the most interesting thing happening in the news cycle for the NFL, we are here to talk about the backup offensive line for the New York Giants. Certainly not going to be discussing that gigantic contract that Patrick Mahomes just signed uh, for 12 years, but uh, we have obviously more important things to discuss here, Chris.
2: Yeah, never mind with that quarterback stuff. We're we're here to talk about the hard-hitting, the important things, backup offensive linemen.
1: Exactly. I will say that the backups on this offensive line are more important than I think people expect because a number of these guys could be and will be starters in a few seasons, if not by next year or the end of this season. We're continuing on the trend that we've started a month or so ago during this offseason leading into the start of the preseason, which is breaking down every single position group player by player, letting you know who's going to be here, who's going to get cut. All of the semantics of being on the Giants roster come the very first game in week one. Because the offensive line unit is so big, we decided to split it up between the starters and the backups. The first show we already did, that was released on Monday. If you have not tuned into that, go check that out and hear what we had to say about the guys that are not only expected to start, but maybe some of the guys today that could compete for later opportunities to play towards the end of the season. Chris, the first guy that we have to acknowledge and bring up before I think anybody is the most intriguing one, the the guy that has the highest ceiling out of any player in this backup group that might not start this year, but will be starting I am confident by at least next season in some capacity. That is Matt Per the rookie that they drafted in the 3rd round from the University of Connecticut. He is gigantic, 6 foot 7, 318. If if you haven't listened to the breakdown we did of him, Chris and I both spoke very highly of what he brings to the table. Very very light feet, very very good uh, ability to mirror and and uses athleticism to to his advantage, but just needs to work on his upper body strength before he can become a starter and actually be a part of the competing unit that is out on the field for a consistent basis. Chris, what we have to discuss with Pear is does he actually get to start at some point this season? Do you see that happening? Or even if there are major injuries, will the Giants try to keep him out until they feel he is 100% ready? I think that
2: depends on a couple of factors. The first is how he develops behind the scenes off the field. You just said he is a really good athlete. Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, compared him to DeBrickishaw Ferguson. Personally, I see Will Beatty, and not just because they're both from UConn. Like Beattie, Matt Peart is big, long, You know, he's got... 36 and yeah 36 and five eighths inch arms Yeah, you know, his, his arms are longer than my legs <laughs> I would hope so the guy's six seven <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> you know he's got athleticism he's got length you know the things that you look for the most in a ta- offensive tackle prospect he's got those in spades but what he still needs to work on is developing his anchor, developing his play strength, getting so he can run block at the point of attack so he can drop anchor and stand up to bull rushes, powerful pass rushers and you know he struggled with that in college and it's that's just going to be harder at the NFL level where everybody is fast and strong. So I don't think he sees the field Until, at the very least, the end of the season, unless he really does show the team that he has really built up that play strength, where he isn't just able to get in position, he's able to do something when he gets there.
1: That play strength is what's holding him back at the moment, what prevents him from being a competitor competitor to start at the tackle position at either tackle spot. And that's not the end of the world. They drafted him in the third round. He is a developmental tackle. He is a guy with high upside that they need to spend some time working with before they can get him onto the field. I'm on the same boat as you, Chris. I think that we're going to need at least until the end of the season, maybe if things aren't going very well and the direction of the team is not going to be making the playoffs. That they find a way to get Matt Perrett in there. That they, they decide to say, Nate Solder, maybe you're banged up a little bit. We'll give you a break. We're going to put Matt out there to see what he can do. Maybe work him in late into some games. I think that there is going to be at least one way or another that they try to get him some form of reps. Because of the development that is going to be necessary to help Perrett get to that, that level where he can start. Unlike other positions, actually any position in the NFL, you need to get on the field at some point to develop. Understandably, what he needs to work on is stuff that's in the weight room and and improve during practice, but at some point you have to get him reps on the field for him to progress and improve. Considering who's in front of him right now, he's not going to get on the field right away because they're so heavily invested financially. In Nate Solder, it's going to take him some time before they actually have the the good ideal circumstance to put him out there uh, at left or right tackle. Chris, another tackle already, and there's a lot of tackles on this this roster that aren't listed at starters for whatever reason. The Giants have a, a ton of them. They signed this player, Cam Fleming, during the free agency to a one year, three point five million-dollar deal. He is coming from Dallas, so he has that connection to Jason Garrett. He has a Patriots connection to Joe Judge. That is seemingly giving him the best options uh, and opportunity to stick around because he has that familiarity with the coaching staff. Do you think Fleming could challenge for any possibly starting spots, or is he really just here to be a depth-piece player? I think he could wind up anywhere
2: from challenging to a starting challenging for a starting spot to potentially being a surprise cut at the end of training camp. Yeah, I think it really kind of depends on how Matt Peart and Andrew Thomas develop, you know how they show up to camp, how they play in the preseason games, however many of them we actually get, how they perform in practice. I since we haven't had any kind of a preseason, Camp is going to be very irregular. I could see the Giants actually starting with Nate Solder and Cam Fleming as their starting tackles. And then maybe around bye week or maybe that around Thursday night football, something like that, maybe transition to Andrew Thomas, just because they haven't had all the off season installation. So it's just such an awkward irregular year that they might want to lean on the experience that Fleming has in the offense, in the blocking scheme with Mark Colombo. He's also known to Joe Judge. So the Giants might just be more comfortable with that familiarity, at least to start out the season.
1: There isn't really a more swinging pendulum for any other player out of these offensive linemen because of what you said. He could either be... Uh, a guy that is cut at the very end of camp, if they favor just one young guy over him, if they'd rather keep somebody on the roster and not put somebody on the practice squad because they don't want to risk somebody else snatching them up, Fleming could be the first, not the first, the last offensive lineman gone in that situation. But conversely, if someone's struggling, we could see Cam Fleming go out there and fill in for... Someone at guard or at tackle because they need someone to fill in. Because if if Nate Solder continues to struggle and maybe possibly regress, Fleming could step in and play for him. Uh, if if Andrew Thomas is not doing so well and they need to swap him out in one particular game or another, Cam Fleming could be that guy to go in. It seems like that this signing and this goal to go out and get the the former sixth lineman for the Cowboys was to have a really, really good sixth guy for this Giants offensive line as, as well. It's it's not like what we previously talked about post-free agency that Fleming was probably the, uh, the right tackle because there was nobody else on the roster. Now that they have Andrew Thomas, that's not really the case. That $3.5 million number is a pretty realistic one for uh, a sixth really good swing tackle. Speaking of swing players... Shane Lemieux, another rookie, one of the many rookies that were selected and brought on this Giants offensive line out of Oregon, guard. The reason why I refer to him as a swing player is that there are possibilities he plays center. The uh, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman have said after the draft that they will give him a shot at center and we'll get him looks to see if he can possibly do that. We've already debunked that a bit. We've already tried to shut that down and saying he doesn't have the footwork we think is necessary to play center for this Giants offense. But is it possible that he is the next guard in, Chris?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, the three guys we're going to be talking about right now are kind of going to be lumped together and in competition with each other. I think Lemieux could actually be a good backup for Kevin Zeitler and an eventual replacement for him. Of course, as much as we're talking about how he doesn't have the foot speed or general athleticism to be a center, the giants being the giants, that's probably where they'll start him out. (laughs) Just, just to mess with us, obviously. But I think he does have the ability to be a good backup and eventual starting right guard for the giants, especially if they're moving to more of a power man gap based blocking scheme, because that is his jam. That is what he does. He engages and he just imposes his will on defenders. He is one of the strongest linemen, regardless of what bench press numbers or anything like that on the field. He was one of the strongest linemen in the draft this year. And that style of blocking scheme really does play to his strengths. No pun intended.
1: Chris, you saying that kind of made me think of something here. Maybe the way that Lemieux contributes, because I don't really see him being that next guard in because of a guy that we're going to mention at the end of this group. Maybe the way that Lemieux gets in is if the Giants choose to use an extra lineman in a specific package. We see teams do it all the time where they'll put linemen lined up at, at fullback or tight end in uh, behind an offensive lineman or even on the line of scrimmage as an extra guard or tackle. I think that makes a lot of sense if you want to put Lemieux out there because when you put those sets in, the whole goal is to just push the pile, pick up a couple extra yards, and get get whatever you need to get a first down. You want that extra meat, that extra strength in there. Does that make, make a fair sense to say that Lemieux could do that?
2: Oh, yeah, like uh, a third in inches or a goal line package. Yeah. I, I wouldn't hesitate to, to trot him out.
1: Yeah, that that might actually be a decent way for him to, to get onto the field. Um, Chris, our next player is someone who might not get onto the field, but because of what they have invested in him, he could still remain on this roster. That is undrafted free agent Kyle Murphy out of the University of Rhode Island. 6'4", 302, and I didn't even know this until Ed had pointed it out to me, is that Murphy has the most guaranteed money out of any undrafted free agent. So that means that the Giants really, really liked Murphy and they wanted to get him very badly to help complete this young wave of offensive linemen. But what makes his situation so perplexing is all the guys ahead of him, the draft picks ahead of him. Does his positional versatility help him avoid being pushed to the practice squad.
2: I think that might just have more to do with the general numbers game on the roster. You know, the fact that he can play so many positions, I, I think you told me once he's played, what, four or five
1: on the offensive line? Yeah, he, play, he played, in my time at URI, he played four different positions. He played center, he played... uh guard, and then he played both tackle spots. He's too short right now to play tackle in the NFL, but that ability to just step in and do things is not an easy task to do. It's very, very hard. As I I talked about a little bit on the starter show how some linemen just can't do that. It's too awkward for them. Uh, Murph is not that type of a player where if you ask him to move over and and swap with someone, you could do that in the middle of a game. And that
2: certainly has value because... As Giants fans well know, things happen. You know, everything from, I keep going back to this, a shoe coming untied to, you know, for some reason, you know, a guy has to go off for a series. You know, maybe uh, he gets cracked in the head by a defensive lineman, has to go through the concussion protocol. Or you know, th- the thing we'd never want to see is somebody actually get injured. Having an a utility lineman like that, even if he isn't a starter, just a guy you can trust to go on the field. And wherever you need the help, he can go there and execute. Maybe not play at a starter's level, but just give you the confidence that, okay, we can get out of this series. We can get through this game. It, that is really valuable. I think Murphy's biggest issue, because obviously the Giants like him, because you generally don't throw money at undrafted free agents you don't like. I think his biggest issue is the fact that Nick Gates is also on the roster and he also fills a similar role.
1: That's what complicates everything because if Nick Gates was not here, I could pretty easily say that Murphy will be the last lineman on the roster because he brings to the table an ability to play either guard spots if someone goes down or come in and play center. He's capable of of playing all three spots even if if something crazy happened you could put him at tackle for a player to it because he's done it before he's played at all of those different individual spots but what adds to this competition is that Nick Gates can play all three he has been snapping in the offseason and on top of it last year when he was asked to step in, he did very, very well. He exceeded our expectations significantly for an undrafted free agent. And that that begs the question, is Nick Gates the best backup? Is he above Cam Fleming? Is he the clear-cut sixth guy? Or even better, is he going to be the starting center? Uh, <laughs> I think it's very
2: possible he could be the new Kevin Booth. At the absolute worst, or I should say maybe even it's the best case scenario he is not even your sixth lineman he's more like your like five and a half you know he is the guy where if something happens you can bring him on any of the five positions and he can give you starter quality reps but you've got guys who are maybe just a little bit little bit better at every position so you've got a solid starting five and then another guy who is almost a starter just waiting to come onto the field if you need him I think his best path to the field is outplaying Spencer Pulley. And we don't want to talk down about Pulley too much, but he also, I don't think he sets the bar all of that high as a starting center. So we haven't seen Gates at center, but if it's possible that he can do it, that he isn't, you know, my worry is that he might be a little too tall. You don't, you generally don't see six, five, six, six centers in the NFL. You you'd like to have guys who are a little bit shorter, have, just better natural leverage for dealing with nose tackles and who generally don't clog the passing lanes over the middle that much just because those can get so crowded anyway generally guys who are like you know six two six three maybe six four that's usually what you see in centers hopefully gates isn't too tall and hopefully he can beat out spencer polly just So the Giants can get an upgrade at that position as well.
1: That's the one thing that's holding me back too is the fact that Nick Gates is six foot five. That is pretty tall for a center. There are not a lot of six foot five centers in the league for this specific reason of you typically don't put that tallest guy in the middle. You try to balance things out by putting the smaller guy in the middle just for uh, size and movement purposes. Gates does have shorter arms than the typical tackle or guard, making his position of center still make a little bit more sense, but that 6'5 number is pretty tall for uh, for a center. I can say confidently, I can't confirm if he will be the starting center or not, but I can say pretty confidently that I believe he is the best backup. I, I think what we saw from him last year, is a ton of positives in the right direction for what he is capable of. I think that he will continue to get better, maybe not into an elite-level starter, but I think into possibly eventually getting onto the field to contribute in one way or another. We'll just have to see if that ends up being the center spot. Chris, the last guy that I want to talk about before I just kind of hit home with the final three players – is Chad Slade. He's been in the league since 2017. He was with the Giants last year, 6'5", 3'15". I have to think besides the remaining three tackles, Slade might be in one of the worst positions out of any returning Giants player because he's got a huge uphill battle to climb. He's got multiple tackles drafted ahead of him. He's got multiple guys drafted at other positions ahead of him. There's not really a much room or sense as to if Slade will make the roster. There's not much of a case to make if he will make the Giants roster.
2: Yeah, if he makes the roster, he is going to have to fight for it. Yeah, you know, He's going to have to beat out Cam Fleming. He's going to have to, I don't I don't want to say beat out Matt Parrot, but he is going to have to show that he is at the very least as good an option. And... With Andrew Thomas being drafted as high as he was, the Giants double-dipping at the tackle position for it's it really doesn't look good for Chad Slade.
1: Yeah, and there, and there's not much of a case, like I said, to, to, to as why Slade would make the roster. There's just too many things ahead of him. There's too many young guys that were highly invested in with money and draft picks, or Veterans like Cam Fleming, or specifically Cam Fleming, uh, who they they signed in this offseason. The final three players who we're not even really going to talk about, we'll get to the reason why, are are Nate Wozniak, Eric Smith, and Tyler Haycraft. All three of them are towards the bottom end of the depth chart. All three of them are listed as tackles. Um, Not much going for them either. Slade has very little going for him, but these three guys have the toughest battle out of anybody to, to make it on this giants roster again, because of the amount of resources that have been invested in all of these players ahead of them. We're going to finish up today's show with who we think will go home. Before we get to that, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Chris, I I think out of any position group, this will probably be the easiest to pick who is going to go home, who is going to be the players that are cut or maybe sent to the practice squad. We already set the table for this, but the four guys that make the guaranteed lock to not make the roster are Wozniak, Smith, Haycraft, and Slade. There's just too much going for the guys ahead of them, and there's too many competitions being considered between other guys that aren't even in among these four for them to, to really make this roster.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think we can kind of move on to the practice squad question because I think that's a little bit more interesting.
1: And the practice squad question is, like we've done, who makes the practice squad? Out of anybody on here, if anyone is not going to make this roster and get put on the practice squad... It would probably be Murphy. If they think that there's too many linemen on the roster and they'd rather have another guy at a different position, Murphy seemingly makes the most sense because they want to keep him involved with the program. They want to keep him around. They'd still be paying him, and he would just end up being on the practice squad. They could promote him in a pinch if they needed to bring him up. I believe Rich Sobert, who Ed interviewed, a couple weeks ago asking about Murphy because he trained him during his pro day prep and his combine prep. He had said that if Murphy makes the practice squad, that it's his best case scenario. So I think out of anybody, Murphy would probably be the best candidate to make the practice squad. And maybe then someone like Haycraft, who is going to be a rookie this year coming out of, out of Louisville. Other than that, no one really qualifies Everyone else was drafted, or is a veteran, or competing to start somewhere. I, th- those two guys have to be the the most likely.
2: Yeah, and I would say for Murphy,
1: it's probably
2: safer this year, even though the Giants obviously like him. It, it's probably safer to cut him and re-sign him to the practice squad, just because there there isn't there isn't going to be the same showcase for guys down the roster that there used to be. You know, without a fourth preseason game which is really a showcase for the guys on the roster bubble teams are going to have to really trust their draft evaluations on these guys and their scouting reports because if a team cuts them and you sign them you know pick them up off of waivers they have to go to your main roster so being on the practice squad i think is a little bit safer this year than it might have been in years past so you talk about stashing guys on the practice squad for murphy and haycraft that could actually be a viable path for them and then that would give them another backup tackle and a utility backup where if somebody goes down for the season nick gates becomes a starter well then they could promote murphy to basically have the same job they had for gates
1: and I don't think Haycraft would be in the same situation, but the case for Murphy is you put him on the practice squad and the next season when there is a little bit more space, Cam Fleming probably won't be back because he's only on a one-year deal. Murphy then will be in competition to make the roster, maybe compete for a, a, a starting role depending on who is still sticking around. Haycraft, not so much. I think Haycraft would probably just be a, a depth piece to keep around on the practice squad, uh, you know, for varying circumstances.
2: I could actually see a scenario that in a year or two where at least two of the guys we are currently looking at as backups are starters. Where the offensive line is almost completely transformed again, with Andrew Thomas as a starting left tackle, Matt Parrott as a starting right tackle. Will Hernandez as a starting left guard, Shane Lemieux as the starting right guard. You know, we still don't know what the future could look like for the center position. Maybe that's Nick Gates. Maybe it could even be Murphy, even though you, you've told me center isn't his best position. But that would open up a spot high in the depth chart You know, as that sixth lineman for Murphy.
1: I honestly could see that, too, a complete flip of backups and developmental players leapfrogging a bunch of veterans high contract guys it is going to be a completely different offensive line in two years we're not going to go too far into looking ahead because anything can happen Um, we're not going to be too much foresight and prediction but as far as what we think now this season those are the guys that we think are going to be likely on the practice squad that's going to be it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in as always. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us and follow us on social media. Uh, you can follow us at BigBlueView. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon and you can follow Chris at Raptor, M-K-I-I. Also head to our website or BigBlueView.com. We're going to continue this trend of hitting on every single position group before the start of the NFL season. Now that we're done with the offensive line, it is time to discuss the defensive line. We'll get to that next week.